All right. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for coming to another webinar episode here with uh, us at Biohacks. And today I have a wonderful, wonderful guest, which is very, very dear to me, um, which is Dr. Engelman. And Dr. Engelman has uh, mentored me for, for a bit. Um, and he's become um, somebody I call when I have uh, an issue or two. But he is also the director of uh, Cyrex Laboratories. So, Dr. Engelman, I just want to thank you today for being here with us. And I would love if you told, told uh, uh, our, our viewers a little bit of who you are, what you do, and why you chose this career path. All righty, Dr. D, it's a pleasure to be on with you. I'm <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm a big uh, supporter and fan of yours. I think you've done a great job, and this is not easy to do what you've done. So you and your group are to be complimented because I think you've done it the right way, and I'm happy to be affiliated with you because you're a straight-up straight up guy, and uh, I like that. Thank like you. That. <laughs> uh, my history is that I was in, from a medical family. My father was an internal medicine doc and a professor who worked until he was 92 years old. Oh, wow. Because he wanted to. I mean, he loved it. He just loved it. And I know I inherited those genes because I feel just like him and I don't see myself, you know, just quitting one day. It's just too much fun. And so I grew up in Ohio, went to Ohio State. Um, for undergraduate with a Bachelor of Science degree. <clears throat> I went to Ohio State Medical School um, and then came out west to get out of the Midwest weather and came to Phoenix, Arizona and did my um, residency in internal medicine at, with a big teaching hospital here. Got interested in the emergency medicine, I was sort of a thrill seeker. So that was been emergency medicine is where those people go. Um, so I started doing that, working with the group, then was named chairman and director of the department two years later and remained uh, the director for <clears throat> 25 years of a big teaching hospital and the top neurological institute private in the world. Wow. Uh, so I did that. And, was, was interested in cardiology. I became president of the Heart Association in the local chapter, and then um, decided that, uh, and got done with that part of my life, that's a young man's game, and then got interested in uh, stem cells. And I just, once they got discovered, it seems like they've been around forever, but they have, they're pretty recent. And the concept was, what is a stem cell and, and, and a cell that can become anything when it grows up, how does it know what to be? I mean, how does it know whether it be a nerve or a bone or doesn't have a mom and dad to tell it what to be? So how does that work? Well, right. it turned out that there was a fellowship <clears throat> from the integrative medicine community, the only one that they've ever had, actually, and 21 of us from all over the world uh, went to that and got a fellowship certified in uh, stem cell medicine. And uh, and then so I have a certification in that and I have a certification in integrative uh, medicine, anti-aging integrative medicine. 
that is a wonderful, wonderful life experience in medicine. And oh, yeah. um, one, other, one other quick thing. And then I fortunately was asked by two uh, presidential administrations to be that doctor for two presidents during their term in office when they were when they were in the area, you know, the airspace of Arizona and the surrounding space. So they had the red phone and the, you know, would go and, you know, talk to everybody and go have a special place in case he got hospitalized. And and I would tell you who those two presidents were, but then I'd have to kill myself. So I'm not. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, I didn't even know that part about you. Wow, that's that's super interesting. And and um, and and all those walks of life that you you've had in um, your your scientific path as a doctor scientist. Right. Um, I guess led you to the point where you are now. And, and uh, for those of you listening to us, I've spent uh, a long a good amount of time speaking to Dr. Uh, Engelman. And I'm telling you as a person, I, I have a, you know, I, I know enough about this stuff to be a little dangerous. Right. But when I sit down with Dr. Engelman, I, I always learn. And the amalgamation of everything you've done, why did you choose to study the immune system in depth? And at this, like, let's say culminating point in your career, because, uh, you know, I call you anything re as it relates to immune system, you know, and, and, and just for our viewers to, to understand. So um, at Cyrex, we, we, you know, we, I'm going to say we, because we, we, we get labs with you guys all the time, but, you know, we do pathogen studies, leaky gut studies, uh, uh, blood brain barrier studies, chemical studies to see what chemicals can be inside the person, uh, food sensitivities. And, and, and so wh why is this an area that, in, excited you after so many cool things that you've done why why the study of the immune system like this why why study let's say inflammation to 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 this level it was uh that's a great question it was i'm the type of person that doesn't i'm not that great at memorizing and i don't like to memorize um and i don't think if you memorize something it doesn't mean that you have a good knowledge of it, it just means that you memorized it so when I was, you know, practicing internal medicine or in the emergency department and I'd see these things come up and they'd say, well, you know, here's what you have. Here's your medication and good luck. Right. And, and I thought this just can't. There's got to be another way to do this. This, this didn't just happen. And there's an interesting expression of a Stephen Hawking's, you know, who everybody knows who that is. Right. But in one of his books, the thing that stayed with me is he had this expression is nothing happens for no reason. And I've never forgotten that. Right. Yeah. You may not know what it is, but nothing happens for no reason. And so slowly but surely, once I got involved in the stem cell thing, it opened my eyes as to pathways of how things develop and how everybody is subject to their environment and whether it's aging pathways or you know somebody who didn't have cancer a year ago and does now you know what what is that pathway something must have changed and so i wasn't sick before and now i am so it became i got to find out if there's information about these pathways number one because I, i'm frustrated of just writing prescriptions and like you know and the other is Maybe I could do something about it so that it either wouldn't happen 
or if it was happening, maybe I could mitigate it and 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 maybe turn it back the other way, or at least calm it down. So, and immunology is the key to everything now. Everybody talks about immunology. That's the most fascinating subject. And um, if you don't, I tell people, if you want to practice medicine, if you don't know immunology, you ought to think about retiring. <laughs> yes. Because it's the key to everything that you can imagine, neurodegenerative disease, arthritis, cancer. It's all immunology. So I hate to admit it, but maybe it's because of my age, but I'm actually have dreams about immunology now. Didn't always always that way, but it is now. Right, right. And and more and more people now start to talk, you hear the word inflammation and so forth. And people really are, are coming up with, um, with, uh, um, newer terms to describe what they're feeling, etc. Um, but, uh, today I wanted to kind of take a deep dive into the science of, uh, uh, what we do. And, um, I think it's important just to really first understand, well, I, let, let's start with like a bird's eye view, let's say, and what is a overactive immune system, right? Cause I guess that's kind of where things start, right? Where your immune system needs to get to work. What, yeah, what, what? That's a great question. The, I used to do a radio show and I like, used to like to throw out you know, questions so people would jog their minds. And one of the questions was, is inflammation a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, yeah. very good question. You know, and that, and there is an expression in French called c'est dépend, which means it all depends. Right. You're going after a pathogen that's trying to kill you. It's a great thing. Right. Because that's what we use to kill pathogens. Right. If it's going wild and the pathogen's gone, and that same thing that you use to kill a pathogen is still turned on, then it's it can be a very damaging, very damaging thing. So it all depends what the context is. And um, so that's really essentially the immune system. And the one thing that they've talked a lot about now is what's called immune exhaustion. Yeah, it's a term that didn't was very rarely used before, but now it's everywhere. And it's what they're using now for some of these cancer immunotherapies that work for two months and then all of a sudden they don't work anymore. And right. it's because they were depending on the immune system, our own immune system, which has the ability to go after cancer cells and kill them. It just go, it gets tired and right. it just wears out and doesn't work well and then gets so tired that it goes, I'm even going to make things that will make you leave me alone and not bother me anymore, which is these, those checkpoint things that everybody's talking about. So the, 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 the key is basically um, to have the immune system working and working the way it's supposed to, but not overworking because eventually it gets worn out. I, you know, I frequently see these, these arrays, like we have an array that looks at pathogens, and I'll see five pathogens frequently all you know, um, glommed together in the same area, but then you look at the herpes, like the herpes family, and all of a sudden the herpes are elevated, and you go, well, what does that have to do with her? Why is herpes elevated, reactivated? 
And the answer, because I've been going after these pathogens for so long <laughs> that I'm exhausted. And I'm the guy who's been keeping your cold sore from coming back on your lip, by the right. way. And when I used to get it, which I did when I was younger and in medical school and living a crazier life, um, I always knew why I got the cold sore came back because I was a wreck <laughs> and yeah. my immune system was a wreck. And so that's what a lot of this stuff is about. So you got your inflammation on one end and then you got immune exhaustion on the other end and you just can't keep beating that horse over and over again or you're going to get effects that are not going to be very pleasant. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of burning the candle at both ends, right? No doubt. Right. And, and, um, it's, it's crazy to me sometimes, you know, um, how many of the ailments we have nowadays in our, our environment, um, or diseases properly said, uh, that have, uh, their, like you were saying when you were in, you were in emergency medicine and, you know, you know, nothing happens for a reason. Uh, right. You started to think, you know, according to, uh, Stephen Hawking's, uh, uh, mantra there. When you start to dig deep into why a lot of these diseases are occurring, um, inflammation and, and exhaustion of the immune system, et cetera, are very big pillars of uh, why these things happen. They're huge. Yeah. And, and yet we're at a superficial level of trying to care for these diseases. As far as I know, there's about 12,000 documented diseases right now, which that number is wild. Like uh, as, uh, I did some digging the other day, and that's the number I kind of came up with. So about twelve thousand documented diseases. I mean, there's no clinician that's that can. You said you don't like memorizing. Well, <laughs> memorize how to diagnose, treat, and so forth. But you know, I I've something I've been saying for for some time that the what are the pillars that cause these diseases, and and one of them, I, you know, I would say is inflammation. The other than uh, oxidative stress. The other one, glycation issues with sugar, and the other one, submethylation. So once you start to look at more of the pillars of, of what is causing the problem, right? And we tend to think that way with anything. If your AC breaks in the house, we're kind of, hey, what caused that? Or if we have a leak and what's causing the leak, we're not, you know, if we have a leak in the roof, we're just not going to put a patch there. We're going to try to figure out what's, you know, what pipe burst or is it the AC or what, you know, root cause analysis. So inflammation is huge. And, um, you know, and, and that's when one has to look at immunology. But so let's dig a little deeper. So what could be causing that immune system to be overactive or cause the, the, this immune exhaustion. So that's kind of when we get to a, a, a term uh, that I, that I learned actually with, uh, with you guys, uh, physical triggers of immune response. And what are these things in our environment? What, what, what is there? What, what is, what's the bad guy to the immune system? What's making him actually get work so hard? Well, if you go through them and I wrote some down, so I didn't forget any pathogens, the job of the immune system, its main job is to prevent things from outside getting inside and killing us. That's its job. That's right. that's how it was formed. And those things that would kill us used to be pathogens. Right. Well, pathogens haven't changed, except, you know, they've evolved some and now we got COVID, which is a whole new thing. Right. But what's new is chemicals additives to food and drinks, toxins in the air, all the stuff we're spewing out all over the place. Right. Uh, and then stress, yeah, which is huge. And then with, with the 
iPhones and everything else, so you can never turn off the world, and um, and also uh, physical damage, like if somebody, you know, breaks a bone or gets into a car accident or whatever, and all the downstream effects, because the immune system's job is to not allow pathogens to kill us and to repair things. That's its job. And also the last one is to identify cancer cells and kill them before they kill us. But mainly that's the job. But now when you add, you know, with leaky gut, which we'll talk about in a second, and things that have never ever been seen by the immune system before that we're making with all the new chemicals for keeping food tasting like this when it's actually not that or prolonging its shelf life. We've never seen those things before. And, I love you know, we're supposed to develop uh, tolerance, which is, yeah, I've seen that before. I, I saw that one, you know, a day after you were born when you were crawling around in your crib or whatever. So I'm good with that. I know how, I'm, I'm happy with that. Or foods that you start to eat early in life. But now we've introduced so many new things that our immune system can't handle them. And so it starts to go after these things and starts making mistakes. And some of them like mercury can bind to our own tissue and now it makes a completely new you know, substance that's not normally seen by the immune system. And so it, you know, it gets going. And so you start activating the immune system and you may not like what you get once that thing gets activated. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I really love what you were saying about, you know, um, now that we have chemicals and we've had the pathogens before, but you know, and, and that immune tolerance sometimes that we're hoping, uh, that we're going to get, we're not getting it, you know, and I particularly like to tell all, all our people, uh, to, to be cautious with introducing so many, uh, new substances to their body. You know, um, I, uh, I was, um, at a lecture and, uh, uh, the, the doctor speaking mentioned that 70% of, uh, all cancers are, are food induced. Right. Um, so, I mean, and if we think about it in, for a second, is it the food itself or is it all the chemicals we're putting on the food? So the, like the, the food has a longer shelf life, the food tastes better or et cetera, et cetera. So it's something that we need to be conscious of. You know, it's not only about picking up that. No problem. It just adds some, uh, some more entertainment to it. Oh, anyhow, you know, it's funny because I was looking at, I like to read and there was an article that I couldn't pull down. But the article was from Time. It just came out this morning, which the dangers in farm salmon. Oh, yeah. Salmon. Right. And I, I don't, I mean, I have an idea of what it's going to be, but the idea of, well, salmon, salmon, you know, farm's cheaper. And so I might as well get farm salmon. And this had three main problems. I didn't get to the meat of the article, but I don't eat farmed salmon. I don't eat, I just don't. I don't, you know, I'm very careful what I put in my mouth now. I mean, really careful. And I think it's helped my overall health a lot. 
Absolutely. At home, we just had a baby. Our first baby is actually a month yeah, old today. By the way, congratulations. Uh, thanks, thanks. I'm a little yeah. sleep deprived, but you know, <laughs> I'm a pretty high energy guy. Well, I'll get through it. And, and <laughs> I, I can't tell you since he's born, I've been, I mean, I was already pretty picky with this, but the soaps, we've changed soaps. We've changed even the, you know, the shower that we're, you know, the, the, the filters in the, in the shower itself. Um, Everything, I mean, and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be that guy, right, that sits down at the restaurant and is asking for the gluten-free, and I'm not trying to be that person, right. you know, the annoying person. But at the same time, we're living in a, a, a day and age that we have to pay attention to what we're putting in our body. And and at home, like, uh, I mean, we're shopping pretty much in, in farms. You know, I'm, I'm in Miami, so we go to down south and, you know, or kind of – mid mid florida there there's there's a lot of good farm food and that's what we're doing you know just to make sure what we're eating you know all the way from our eggs to whatever uh, is is higher quality you know and that's we're not trying to have an upheaval of these like we were saying before physical triggers of immune response that can come all the way from the soaps you're using right it could come all the way from the the, the, the these you know farm salmon from a bunch of different things right so yeah. Um, and, and that leads me to a next point. Um, I always like to tell people it's a little bit of an extreme thought, but um, I always like to tell people, look, your body was designed to know pretty much everything it consumes. What do you think about that? Um, because there's when, when you're in, in putting in all these foreign substances, you know, there are the docs and the scientists will say, no, you'll get immune tolerance, you'll get immune tolerance, but uh, does it look like we're getting immune tolerance? If you look at our, like at us globally, no, we're sicker by, you know, we're sicker by the day. Yeah, sure, we're not dying with the bubonic plague, but, you know, we're dying with all, you know, the numbers of cancers, and I think the latest number that I know of autoimmune diseases, I think there's around 129 now documented autoimmune diseases, and the numbers just keeps going up. So what, what, what's your thoughts on, are, we're designed to really just put in our body what our what our body will recognize. I think the proof is in the pudding, which is if you take these people from areas that quote of the world aren't so developed. Oh yes, they do well. I mean, they they you know they may have infectious diseases, which we don't you know, which we're pretty good at the vaccines, I guess, and that sort of thing. But they don't get these autoimmune diseases and. Alzheimer's disease very much and these neurodegenerative things and but that same person with those same genetics moves to a western country and starts living a western lifestyle it's not that long before their statistics are just the same as people who grew up in the western culture versus you know in 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 other areas so the proof is Obviously, that's the difference because their lifestyles changed and what they put in their bodies changed. And now they got all this, this chronic illness that all the rest of us have that live in Western cultures. So, um, so something must change. And we do immune, you know, tolerance by basically, I mean, we're immune tolerant to our own tissue before we're ever born. We parade all most of ourselves parts of ourselves through the immune system and go, have you ever, you recognize this? Yeah, I'm really excited about recognizing and I'm going to get all excited and go after it. Okay, you commit suicide. <laughs> you're, never, you're never having kids. And so we, you know, and we do all that before we're ever born when we're in 
utero. And then once we, you know, come out, we hopefully will have a good, um, you know, um, tolerance for our own tissue, which happened before we were born. And now the question is, what are we bringing in that we have never seen before? And so that's the reason why people talk about giving your kid a diverse diet of lots of different kinds of clean, but lots of different kinds of foods, letting your kids play outside in the dirt and so forth, because you better have them see it when they're young, when they go, yeah, no, I'm used to that. I, I know that. I don't, I'm not really upset about that versus, gee, I grew up in an atmosphere with a nanny and they used to give me a shower every five minutes and so forth and I never played in the grass. Now everything is new. And now you've, once you stimulate that immune system, I'm telling you, that's what all this stuff with the vaccinations and I'm not a vaxxer, anti-vaxxer and so forth, but you never quite know what you're going to get when you activate the immune system. You hope good but you're never quite sure it's uh, and and that's the scary part about keeping that system jacked up all the time and the other is if you bring in things that you're not used to and they get processed either by because you have leaky gut or you've never eaten that food before whatever now you start to develop an immune reaction to it and you make antibodies and the problem with the antibodies which you know, I'm always scared that God's going to strike me dead, but basically <laughs> is that they're not very smart. And two things don't have to look that much alike for the immune system antibodies to go, oh, that's Fred. No, that's Joe. That's yeah. what you, you know, that's not Fred, the guy you were made for. That's Joe. Well, he sort of looks like Fred. And so I'm just going to call him Fred and go over and shake his hand and say, hey, you doing Fred until he says I'm not Fred. <laughs> so that's the problem. The more antibodies you create, the more they have a chance to make mistakes. So if you said to somebody, would you rather have more antibodies in your system or less? It's less. You don't want all those, you know, antibodies, you know, floating around to things that you just introduced because they're subject to make a mistake and maybe go after another food, but they may well go after your own tissue. And Absolutely. Yeah. And, and um, right there, basically you were talking about cross reactivity and so forth, you know, and, uh, Correct. and, and um, I really like the, the, the elucidation, you know, with the Fred, <laughs> I might take that one from you. Uh, I always tell them, you know, that, that the families that have a lot of autoimmune disease, obviously something's not working or they wouldn't be attacking their own tissue. And frequently, right. so I'll just say, I mean, I hate to tell you this, but your immune system is not a Harvard graduate. And they go, oh, you know, and they some are real rich. And, you know, they go, don't say that. I go, I'm just telling you, you know, a Harvard graduate should be able to distinguish one thing from the other, but your immune system's not very good at it, obviously because lots of people have autoimmunity in your family. So their recognition mechanism must not be that great. Right, 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 right. And uh, for, for people out there, you know, uh, we both went to medical school and uh, these are not topics because lots of times people think that we learn these things in school. 
maybe some of the principles and before the we, we were online dr engelman and i were talking about for example you know um most people have heard of rheumatic fever you know where uh the body rea reacts to uh, attacks a, stre a streptococcal type species of bacteria and then down the line the person's going to have other symptoms um because of the immunological response the body has mounted to that bacteria but this extrapolates to other things too, to foods, to to uh, all these physical triggers of immune response. So we'll keep, we'll keep saying this, these physical triggers of immune response. It's really interesting to understand this. And now let's talk a little bit about the defense system of the body, you know, um, and uh, what is the mucosa, right? Um, lots of times um, the, the, the immune system is very dependent on the mucosa, right? And I, I, I like to give people a very simple definition um, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how you would explain mucosa to, uh, and the importance in, the, in, in this whole um, war the immune system has with these foreign substances in the yeah, body. It's a war. And you got these, you can't blame a herpes virus for coming in and trying to take over or, or corona. They're not mean, it's just their job. Right. It's like, you want to have kids? They want to have kids. You know, their job is to pass their RNA or DNA down. That's their mission. The problem is by, you know, by fulfilling that mission, they may well kill us. And so we have to be very careful about, you know, take a guess how, how old the herpes virus family is, particularly Epstein-Barr. How old do you think that virus is? Epstein-Barr is herpes uh, 5, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Uh, Epstein-Barr is herpes 4. Oh, 4, sorry. Yeah, CMV is 5. But CMV. anyhow, how old do you think that, how long do you think that virus has been around? Uh, I'm, not sure. I'm not sure. 400 million years. Wow. Is it a wonder that it's so good at its job? It's been here 400 million years. Wow. So when we develop our immune system, what's one of the things that the innate immune system, the one we're born with, what does it go after? One of the receptors is viruses. Why? Because they'll kill us if they take over. So, and so the so the 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 key is to keep the outside world out and not let it in the inside world which is the you know the immune system but more actually the bloodstream and then the bloodstream takes it to all these different tissues and so forth and how do we do that well the main way we do it is the mucosa which is a uh, you know it's a semi-permeable structure which does let some things in but keeps big things out and makes its decision about what gets in and what stays out and that is what we use. And then our immune system, particularly in the gut, what is it, 70, 80% of the immune system sits right on the other side of that single cell, which separates what's in the gut from what's underneath that membrane. And no wonder, because where, where do you get most of your stuff from? What you eat and what you swallow. But that's present in the gut, you know, it's present in the, you know, the oral cavity, it's present in the nose, it's present in the sinuses, it's present in tears and, you know, in the, in the, in the eyes, uh, urinary tract, any place that anything that wants to climb in 
and kill us was trying to be prevented from getting in. While in the meantime, with the gut, those cells still have to allow nutrients to get in. So they have a big job and a complicated job. So it's a interesting barrier and all, all of them are, are the same pretty much in that those cells are specific, but they're not butted up against one another. So there's no space in between because there is some space in between let, let smaller molecules get in and out like oxygen and and you know and carbon dioxide and so forth but those are part of that what's called the 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 uh the barrier which has you know tight junctions and then the cell itself to keep things from from getting in and therein lies the problem if that's disturbed then now you got things coming in whether it's food or undigested food or pathogens or chemicals or toxins or whatever now they're they're in the house they were supposed to stay out of the house now they're in the house now you got to figure out what you're going to do about it that's why leaky gut which is another question but what people are talking about is such a big deal um and it's one of the great tests that Dr. Bojdani helped develop in Cyrex that is really revolutionary as far as I'm concerned for um, for diagnosing people that don't feel well. Or are you healthy and are you subject to getting something happening down the way, including neurodegenerative disease? So that's a critical one as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So so what is exactly leaky gut? And, and uh, is it true that Cyrex pioneered uh... – uh, the leaky gut studies in the U.S. Dr. Vojtani and Cyrex supposedly did and have a patent on it because I, I cleared it with the maestro last night before I made a statement like that. But it's uh, not that big of a surprise because Dr. Vojtani is one of the probably three or four giants in this area, um, and he's been writing about these things and studying these things for I don't. I don't know how many years, but it's a fair number, and he's amazing how many publications he has. And so he's the brains behind Cyrex, and um, that's why I love working with this lab because he's just brilliant. Yeah, and I love working with you guys just because of uh, yeah that, that that scientific print you guys have left and how deep you guys go into this um, in comparison to other labs. So I got a lot of people asking me about leaky gut. Um, and it pops up in various conversations and people are like, oh, what is it? And what does it cause? And is it true I could get really tired? Is it true that it's the gateway to all the autoimmunity? Is it that I've heard things from all autoimmunity starts at the gut barrier. I've heard things of, uh, you know, psychiatric diseases connected to leaky gut. So dismystify that a little bit for us, uh, Dr. Engelman. So what is leaky gut and what, what, what can it cause and what can it lead to? Leaky gut is... <clears throat> that barrier that's not keeping things out that don't belong on the other side. And it can happen for two main reasons. Number one, the cells, like I said, are not butted up against one another. There's space there, not a lot, but enough. And there are bridges which bridge those that space. One of them, the one that's probably the most important and also the one that seems to get the most damage when things go wrong is called the tight junction. And it's like a bridge. I mean, you know, if you think about it as a bridge, it can get damaged. And once it gets damaged, then you got a hole in the gut. I call it a holy gut. 
but not in the best, not in the not in the best religious sense. But um, but and then everything that goes by up above is subject to drop through the hole: undigested food, chemicals, bacteria, viruses, whatever. Just drops through the hole. That's no, no. There's no magic. It's just a hole, and they go by, including um, toxins or parts of organisms that are ridiculously inflammatory, which is this one called lipopolysaccharides. So, um, and that usually happens. So now you got two things. One, well, I got leaky gut because my tight junction's damaged. So what am I going to do about it? Well, one is. I got to fix it, but if I don't fix the thing that's damaging it, I'll just, it'll just keep getting damaged again. And I'll keep bringing cement or whatever, and it'll just get damaged. So you got to come up with the reasons why that might happen. And there are, you know, three of them. Gluten antibodies is probably the main one on the foods. And then dysbiosis of having a gut that has, you know, overgrowth of the wrong bacteria in it. Which is the natural state of things, by the way, is our, our, our that that colon is like organisms love it. I mean, they love it down there, and Correct. they're all fighting for. I don't know why it doesn't appeal to me, but it seems to appeal to them quite a bit. And so they're all looking for more territory so they can get more food. Well, usually they cancel each other out and go, "No, you guys stay over here. You guys come over here, and everybody will be happy." But we don't eat the foods that supply us with the soldiers, the good soldiers necessarily, who are going to go, hey, you guys are getting a little out of hand. You need to go back to your area again, which is in probiotics, the gram positives, and in some foods like sauerkraut and kimchi and so forth and so on. So we get overgrown, and that is one of the causes because it's so inflammatory or can be that damages the bridge. So we have to look and see, here's my, I have a damaged bridge. Did gluten, you know, cause it, antibodies cause it? I better find out what are the tests for gluten antibodies, which is one of Cyrexis, or is it this, uh, you know, this dysbiosis with overgrown stuff that's not supposed to be overgrown, or maybe it's both. So you got to look for those. And then the third one is stress. Those are the most three most common reasons for tight junction. Now that's the area between the cells. That's the most common. And then there is, gee, the cell itself, the enterocyte that's doing all this great stuff that's you know bringing in stuff I need and keeping stuff I don't out, that now is being damaged. And that's much, much more significant. And that means the whole mechanism's falling apart, not just in between, but the cells are falling apart. And that usually is caused by um, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, things like celiac, untreated celiac, or real bad celiac uh, sensitivity, occasionally in other food, but rarely, um, or some other autoimmune disease. And when I see that, 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 that's much more significant, takes longer to heal and so forth. But what it says is, I've got stuff now. It's like an open party. Everything that wants to get in is now getting in. Right. And you got to address that. And so, and the way the immune system works is, do you think the immune system knows that undigested 
I don't know, soy or rice is undigested soy or rice? No, it just, I don't know what this is. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a pathogen. It's going to kill me. So I'm going to go after that exactly the same way that I would go after a bacteria or a parasite because that's all I do. I'm not that, I'm smart, but I'm not that smart. And so I have one way of going after things that I don't recognize and that's assuming that it'll kill me. So it doesn't, so when people go, well, you're, you know, you're having antibodies to whatever, your rice or eggs or whatever, the antibody basically is going after that for whatever reason, as if it were a pathogen, because that's how we do things. Right. And that's, that's interesting. And um, for everybody to take that last line that you said home, you know, the, but these antibodies go after these things after, as if they were pathogens, they're not playing around They're they're your immune system is upset and it's ready to take some people out of business. And sometimes yeah. take, take yourself out of business and you start an autoimmune disease and that's not what you want. Right. So mm -hmm. the leaky gut can get you kind of, you know, I, I've seen a lot of articles on fatigue, a lot of articles on autoimmunity. I mean, leaky gut can lead to an array of things, even on the uh, mental illness side, et cetera. It's, it's kind of a gateway to, or barriers, right? A lot of our barriers. And I mean, we can extrapolate this into the blood brain barrier, et cetera. Um, I'll tell you a funny, quick, funny story is that it turns out that we have gram negative organisms, you know, which is just a name for, for, a, a microbe, a bacteria, in our normal, you know, um, microbiome in our gut. They're not pathological. They're there. They're part of it. Right? All of them have a particular thing on the outside wall, of structurally, of those. I can just tell you that in my experience, I have pronounced more people dead from gram-negative infections than I like to even think about, because right. they you okay and so if i know it the immune system knows it so over all these thousands or millions of years so it when we're born has a receptor for that particular thing that's on the outside of all gram negative organisms and when that gets through so they live and they die and you know and they have this trash that's part of it well, that should go out in the stool because I have an intact gut barrier. It's not going to get in my immune system. But, but So I'm not worried about it. But what if it does? What if it does? By however way it gets in there. Now, all of a sudden, your immune system goes, wow. We got gram-negative stuff that's, that, that, that's close at hand, that's ready to invade. Because if this got through, they'll get through, and they will kill me. And so I got to get ready. And how do I get ready? I get my whole inflammatory mechanism ginned up to basically go, I'll do the best I can. I am ready for you. The problem is once you open up that inflammation to get rid of those things, now you have all that stuff floating around and it is so damaging and causes so many problems. And it turns out that once that's activated, it makes certain signalers that basically tell other parts of the immune system what to do. And the signaler can get into an intact brain, get across that barrier, that blood brain barrier, which is supposed to be impermeable practically, 
but it isn't to those three things that are made by LPS that gets from the gut into the immune system. And when they're active and they get into the brain, they immediately go to the cells that make inflammatory products. So now by definition, you have an inflamed brain. An inflamed brain can be everything from chronic fatigue syndrome to peripheral neuropathies to depression, to anxiety and so forth. So one of the things I always say is my sister's a psychiatrist and I always say if I were a psychiatrist and obviously people are coming for behavioral problems, I would get an array too, which is the Cyrex array for permeability, but more important to me, LPS and the immune system on every single patient that came through the door. Because if that's positive, LPS antibodies, you're sick. I don't know how sick you are, but you're sick. And some people are really sick. And right. a lot of people think that that's probably may well be one of the triggers for neurodegenerative disease. And I'm one of them that believes that. I agree. I agree. And I've seen a lot of these LPS positives and I can actually, in my mind, correlate it to some people that, you know, we've seen and it, it does, it does correlate highly with uh, everything you're saying. So I'm, I'm right there with you. So, um, uh, kind of shifting gears here a little bit. Um, so, uh, getting a little bit more granular, a lot of people confused, uh, cross reactivity with poly reactivity. What is it? Um, you know, you, I, I really like that Fred example he gave, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so explain the difference between Fred, Dick and Harry on, uh, if you can, with, uh, yeah. Cross-reactivity is I looked at you, you sort of look like what I'm made for, and I'm too, I'm not smart enough to basically know the difference, so I'm going to stick to you, even though I'm not made for you, but I'm, it's close enough. Right. Uh, that's cross-reactivity, or molecular mimicry, very similar things, is, you know, the, I'm looking at these different molecules that make this up. Like, if you look at a protein... Yeah, proteins are basically look like a pearl necklace sort of when they're made right. and the pearls are amino acids. And so, and they have, you know, this amino acids here and this different ones over here. And, and that is thyroid peroxidase or myelin or whatever it is. And you make an antibody and the antibody goes and looks at that for, and the antibodies made to gluten, for instance, and that antibody looks at thyroid peroxidase, that little 10 amino acids go, wow, you know, three of these are the same as gluten. So I'm not the smartest, you know, antibody in the world. So I'm going to stick to that. Next thing you know, you got Hashimoto's disease. Right. That antibody's not too bright and they don't have to look that much alike. Supposedly 30%, that's three out of the 10 amino acids is the sort of the minimum amount that you need to have an antibody get confused. Now, some, it takes more than that, but that's 30% the same. That's not that hard. There's a lot of things look a lot alike. And so that's cross reactivity. Right. And it could be to anything. It could be to another food. It could be a pathogen that, cause you know, we're, we're, you know, live things so we don't look that much different from one thing to another 
So um, when you break them down, so that's that. Molecular mimicry is a set of antibodies which now have just been recently elucidated that come from an entirely different cell that makes antibodies that's now called a B1 cell that it looks like we have, everybody has it at birth and it makes these crazy antibodies that aren't very strong and don't seem to cause a lot of problem, but are described as promiscuous, which is the perfect description. They'll, they can bind to anything they bump into, just like a promiscuous person, and they'll go home you know, with that person. But if that person asks them to get married or, or, or here's my ring, you know, for I'm not interested in the long-term relationship. Uh -huh. so, and, and so they're incrementally better when we're born than nothing, but they're not like a normal antibody. And then those B1 cells, as soon as we develop adaptive immunity, go away in days, you know, hours to days, and we're not polyreactive anymore because the B1 cells go away. But about 3% of people, I think it's more than that, seem to reactivate B1 cells for whatever reason. You know, and now all of a sudden they're polyreactive again. So they get one of these food panels that comes back and the person you know, wants to commit suicide because they can't eat anything, right? Because 80% of the foods are positive. So, um, but they're really pretty benign. But the key is why do I reactivate my B1 cells? And nobody knows specifically the answer, but I believe it's chronic some chronic thing that you're trying to get rid of. And it seems like mold is usually part of that because it's a biofilm. It's hard to get rid of. It makes mycotoxins. And I believe, and I'm going to working on a paper to write this, that the immune system goes, man, I can't get rid of those mycotoxins. You know, they're, I, I, you know, I hate those things. And I've tried everything that I have in my armamentarium to do. Oh, that's right. I have those B1 cells. I forgot about those. I, I haven't called those guys since I was born. And then it wakes them up. They make these polyreactive antibodies. But the antibodies aren't the problem. The problem is what the underlying issue is for polyreactive antibodies. And if I'm right, it turns out that it's not common, but it's not uncommon for people with COVID to show up with polyreactive antibodies, which supports my theory of, man, I'm trying to get rid of this and I'm trying everything I can. And so I'm going to call these B1 cells up again. I don't know how good they are, but, you know, I'll give them a go. So, so I think I'm right about this. I'm pretty sure I've looked at more of these than anybody in the world by I hate to say what factor it is, but it's a lot. Right. I know you have. I know you have. And um, I, I've seen some of these tests, too, where the person has COVID, and while they do the test, and they come back polyreactive to chemicals and so forth. Yeah. Or where there's a there's a mold, like uh, Stachybotrys, right, black mold, and, and then their food their food uh, panel is all upside down and they want to, they're like, I can't eat anything. I'm like, relax. Let's take all the first money. I'm like, and uh, we'll, we'll play this a uh, little, you know, do this in parts. So um, what, what's your thoughts between psychosocial stressors and an overactive immune system? So, you know, stress and most namely distress, right? Because we have you stress and distress and kind of 
you kind of play a role in how you see stress in your life. But what's your thoughts on how that impacts the immune system? Well, I'll give you a something I just read today from NIH, right? So what it says is let's talk about stress and stress research. Uh, but when stress persists, chronic stress, it can lead to both mental and physical health problems. In fact, longstanding evidence from multiple areas of research demonstrates chronic stress acts like a toxin, permeating our organs and cells and triggering a negative cascade on our hormones, sleep, muscles, metabolism, immune system, and inflammatory response. And chronic systemic inflammation is emerging as a key factor underlying more than a half of all deaths from chronic disease, including heart disease, cancer, diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And that just came out this morning from NIH. That's how critical stress is. Right. I uh, before the call, I was I was talking to you about that. I I just recorded a lecture talking about how cortis I I correlated adrenal fatigue with the thymus gland. I'm a big fan of talking about the thymus gland, which it pretty much programs your T cells. It's connected to your whole lymphatics. I mean, it's it's an awesome gland that gets very little attention. And when you're in stress, right? Or you know, I, I always like to give the example of the lion, the caveman with the lion. Before, I mean, we would just you know have to go hunt some food and go back to our cave and you know lights went out and no cell phones no emails no no bringing back the work from from back, back to the house and nowadays that line is comes in the form of an email comes in the form of a boss that's calling you late at night and, and bothering you or whatever it is and we don't shut off and that those stressors it tends to put the mind instead of the front of the mind where we're creative and so forth the back of the mind survival mode and our immune system, that thymus gland, starts to downregulate, and it's actually involuting as we're aging, right? And yeah. a lot of a, a lot of anti-aging theories, regenerative medicine, sit around the 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 rejuvenation of the thymus gland, right? Yeah. So, um, it's 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 pretty. Um, the mechanisms are actually not that hard to understand how where the adrenal gland is so ramped up, and then where our mind again, we're in that back of the mind, running from that lion. And the, 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 where we really start to suffer, uh, where the immune system just, your body wants to survive. It's not, it does not care if, you know, Hey, I'm going to develop an autoimmune disease. I'm going to no, your body's just in survival mode. And we start to see these things develop then in disease and breakdown of like the barriers, like we were saying, leaky gut, et cetera. So, um, it's really important that people understand not only stress management, but also things I like to tell people, you know, like get two cell phones. You know, and uh, one's for work, one's for home, you know, and limit the n number of people that have the other number. And I actually do this. I have two cell phones. And if I'm feeling a little, you know, a little overwhelmed or with phone fatigue or whatever it is, I get home and just put this one down. And then uh, my mom, my wife, my dad, my attorney and my assistant have the number to the other one. So that's about it. That's a I do that all. I, to tell you the truth, that's the only way I can study. Uh, when I have to study for longer periods of time, I can't be close to my phone. So I, I've been doing this for quite some time. I've had two phones and I, I can't shut it off. And as you, you know me pretty well, it's not hard to make me talk. So you call, you tell me, say hi, I'm going to say a lot right after that. So <laughs> it's a trap for myself to tell you the truth. So nice and, uh, it's a nice quality, by the way. 
Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. My wife will tell you different, but <laughs> so sometimes she's like, Jesus, the battery doesn't end. I'm like, nah, it's still going. <laughs> I'm a happy guy. That's, that's really, I think a huge key of keeping your immune system, uh, you know, downregulated and, and, um, you know, and, and making life easier to get through, right. Just, you know, smile and be happy. The way I, the way I would look at it is, we're, there's nothing magic about this. We're a machine. Right. And if you keep running that machine on highest gear over and over and don't turn it off for a while, it's going to blow. It's not going to work anymore. It's just going to break down and not work. So you'll get your, you know, high norepinephrine and your high cortisol and your, you know, and so forth and so on and get those stress things cranked up. But then eventually, you either will stop making them because you're worn out or your receptors, which are the ones that have to carry out the duty when the cortisol hits, will just go, I'm done. I don't, you can send me all, it's like insulin resistance. You know, how much glucose are you going to show me, you know, for over and over again? I, you know, knock on the door, let the glucose, eventually I go, you know, I'm just not going to open the door anymore. You're driving me crazy with all that sugar right. and that's one resistance those are receptors that have to do the job of whatever's being presented whether it's cortisol or norepinephrine or adrenaline and turns out now because immunology is going so fast and so cool it turns out that all essentially all immune cells have receptors for neurotransmitters nobody knew that before if somebody says, no, if you're making a lot of neurotransmitter, guess one of the places it's going to end up is your immune cell. Now, it may make it better, but it may make it worse. So right. everything, I think the big takeaway message that I learned for stem cell medicine is everything is related to everything. You cannot, it's like the cardiologist that goes, well, I, I don't know anything about the, you know, gastroenterology. Well, I'm a cardiologist. Well, unfortunately, the body doesn't work that way. They're all connected. So you better learn how the connection works because otherwise you won't be very good at your job. I always talk about that, the, the, the compartmentalization of the compartment of the compartment. You specialize in so much that you're so specialized, pretty much you're specialized in nothing. That's <laughs> you know, so, a problem. Yeah, that's, you know, that, that is a problem. And just uh, as a last question, I know we're definitely went a, a little overboard on time, but you know, last question I want to ask you, um, what's your thoughts of this really cool area that I see is growing, which is psychoneuroimmunology. So psycho, for, for people who never heard of this, psycho, neuro, nervous system, immunology, and all the, 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 the coming together of these three areas, which I see very, very valid. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's a, it's a huge deal. And it basically just supports what we were just talking about right. is you can't isolate these things and, well, I'll give you an example. If you take you take a, 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 a bacteria and put it over here in a beaker or whatever, and you take an immune cell over here from somebody who's healthy and happy and so forth, and then you take the same pathogen and put it over here and take the same immune cell but from somebody who is deeply depressed and see how long it takes that immune cell to get from one side of the beaker to the other and attack that pathogen. And the difference between the two is remarkable how much slower 
the depressed immune cell is to get over there and kill that pathogen. That's profound. Yep. Yep. So it obviously has an effect on the immune system. So all of that, and you know, the thing of it is, is Dr. Voshtani has been talking lately about this, you know, it's this, this some and this some and this some, this is the exposome. We were just talking about it yesterday. And the exposome is a conglomeration of everything in your environment that that you've experienced since you were conceived, right? Right. Like if your parents argue all the time, part of your exposome is what went on while you were in the uterus with all these things that your mom was making that end up, you know, bathing your cells and so forth. But it's a conglomeration, an additive conglomeration of everything you've experienced in your life. And it's pretty fascinating about how they interact with one another, but it's all of our exposures in our entire life, including just after we conceived. And it may be even have to do with the sperm and the egg, even before we were conceived. That's how wild this stuff is now with epigenetics and everything, right? Yes, absolutely. So stinking thinking can make you sick, guys. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> stinking okay. thinking could definitely make you sick that's I, I i was dying to say that you know because it's it's good one. you know so so it, it, yeah it is all the exposures and so forth but you know as you're, you're you know i want to definitely end up on a on an upbeat and happy note like is your your cup half full or half empty you know because even your immune system is depending on how you see that darn cup of yours in your life so you got to make sure that you, you you have a positive outlook in life and and you keep that stress and Turn some of that distress into you stress and and focus on on just being happy because your immune system will appreciate that. And so will the other guys that your immune system is we're getting ready to attack, right? So <laughs> yeah, I think the key is to focus on what you have and not what you don't have. Exactly. You know, and so and that is sort of um the way to look at it, because everybody's got you know, good stuff and things that aren't quite so good. It's a, it's the weight that you give them in your everyday activities that makes the difference. But you guys are doing a great service. I'm, I'm, and I don't say that. I, I don't. I, I might tell somebody they look nice or something, but I'm not a big compliment guy for unless it's true. And you guys, I'm really proud of what you've done, and you deserve your success. So you keep it up. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much coming from somebody that has been mentoring me in years ahead of me in this game. So I really, really appreciate those words from the bottom of my heart. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for, for blessing us with your presence today, this, you know, infinite knowledge that you have in this subject and various in, in medicine and, you know, always with uh, great energy. So thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Engelman for, for your time with us today and, and viewers out there, make sure you go to the Cyrix.com's website to understand a little bit better what they do. You can come to our, our website, our, our Instagram, social media, you know, make sure to follow us, ask us questions. I plan on doing this again with Dr. Engelman. So it, the, we're, we're going to know what you guys want to hear depending on the questions you ask us. So leave us some comments and questions and uh, we'll be, we'll be sure to get back to you guys. Okay. And uh, again, Dr. Enkelman, thank you so much for your time today with us. Very, very grateful. My pleasure. All right. All right, everybody. So you guys have the rest of a great day. And remember, no stinking thinking. Your immune system needs you to be positive. Let's go, guys. All right. Have a good one.